even what it meant giving up, things that were important to him. And I appreciate that, brother. And Lord's what it's all about, nothing else. And the brother, why don't you come preach to us? Appreciate you. It's interesting. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've I fought in a not in a service or anything, just for fun. Um, I fought on global stages. Some of the best people on the planet. Um, but this is really nerve-wracking. Handling God's word is, is very nerve-wracking. Um, because I want to make sure I do it exactly the way he wants me to do it. Amen? Oh, some prelims. First, so where's Della Rose at? Is it Rose? Della. Where's Della? Okay, so I'm staying in the, I'm staying in the Penix camper, or rig, mobile home. And I was walking by last night, and I, and I caught... Through the, uh, the, the, through the glimpse of the blinds, I saw some, uh, I saw something pink. Now, the day before, I went to the box uh, in the cupboard to get some of these animal crackers out, but they were all gone. But there's somebody stuffed one behind that curtain just so they could get it. She was trying to hide that bad boy, but I found it. So here, come on, get it. And it melted in my pocket. You could, may, might need to stick that in the freezer. And then this big man in the back there, he had a birthday yesterday, and he loves popcorn, so I got you some popcorn, brother. Come get your popcorn. Happy birthday on three. One, two, three. Love you too, man. So, there's been many firsts here for me on this trip, so I decided to record them. Uh, It's the first time I heard somebody speak faster than me when I preach. So your hands must be put to the test. They're going to start smoking. It's the first time I've been told by so many people what to preach and how to preach. You need to preach fast, preach slow, don't preach on tithing. Some people joking. My psychology professor said there was some truth to all sarcasm, by the way. Uh, It's the very first time in my life that I had a a skinny white man uh, pick on me and poke at me for longer than three days and lived to tell about it, Brother Penix. He didn't, he, didn't, and he didn't even laugh at that. He didn't even crack a smile. I'm joking. I'm coming down there and hug you right now if you don't laugh. <laughs> um, uh, it's the first time I saw a person take a picture. Since I've been saved, I've been in church for like t- ten and a half years. It's the very first time I saw somebody take a picture with an actual camera in a church service. Uh, first time meeting a Secret Service man. It's the very first time I ever saw my breath in July. Uh, it's the very first time I was comfortable being in a m- mountain by myself with a, with a bunch of white guys with guns and feeling safe. Uh, it's the very first time I ever stopped, I hopped off a plane and went into a grocery store and stopped a robbery. Brother Penix and I, he took me to get some food and we went to Walmart. And uh, I'm checking out and there's a guy doing this trying to stop a guy from getting out. I thought they were just playing around. And then the guy's like looking up for help and trying to stop this guy at the same time. And I'm like, what's going on? And I could tell this guy had some goods here and he had a bottle of liquor here. And nobody would help him. So I went over there and said, give it up. And he looked at me like, whatever. So I smacked the stuff out of his hands. And then he looked at me. And while he was looking at me, I snatched the liquor out of his hand. And then he kind of looked. And I'm looking like, oh, what's he going to do? Does he got a knife? What's he going for? And then he took off and he left. And I gave the guy back his goods. And then somebody asked me if I wanted a job application there. I said, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, 
I want to thank Brother Penix. I met, I, I met a man in Montana who told me about his ministry. I wanted to come and just see it and be part of it and try to help if I could help financially or physically or, or whatever he needed me to do, I was willing to do. And I believe that we got some things accomplished and we did get to see a couple souls uh, bow their heads and make professions of faith. Um, and, and the Lord knows uh, there. Amen. Uh, I thank all his children. They've been, they've been kind to me and... His wife uh, has put up with me, and Brother Penix has put up with me, and I'm very thankful to them. I'm thankful for your, to your pastor for allowing me to preach the word. I do not take it lightly. When you have a new guy up, it's kind of a, a roll of the dice sometimes, because I've, I've heard some stories. Um, I'm going to preach exactly the way the Lord wants me to preach, so uh, you won't have to worry about that, hopefully. Um, I just want to say something real quick, and then I'll get right into this. Uh, I've, I, I'm, a, I'm a man of observation. I make observations. I got to this church, and the very first man that I met was him. And my first observation was, he don't sound like he's from Alaska. But he was kind to me. And he was respectful to me. And his children were kind to me. And they were respectful to me. Um, I had a talk with this young lady and her parents. Kind to me. Respectful to me. Um, I saw these teenagers being respectful. The only one that was questionable was, was old McDonald here. He came on a trip with me too. He was awesome. He says, hey man, uh, I'm going to climb this thing back here. Uh, you want to climb this thing back here? I said, sure. And I walked over there and he's like, but you got to watch my six. I said, I'm going to watch your six right now and tell you that we better just not do it if you're not supposed to be doing it. Amen. I saw this man here and his dear wife uh, uh, and their children together. I saw a wholesome family in the church. Amen. I saw this man over here just being a gopher. What do you need me to do? Let me help. Let me help. That's, that's solid. Um, I saw this brother back here, had a conversation with him. He's getting ready to leave. So I saw instantly a need to fulfill or to fill his roles here at the church. Who's going to help step up and fill his roles here at the church? Amen. Uh, I saw unity. If it was up to me, that's what I'd preach on, keeping the unity. Um, but the Lord says to preach this, so that's what I'm going to preach. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 6. But since we had a trump rally yesterday, I'm going to read something here. Anybody know the story of the ant and the grasshopper? Who knows that? Yeah? No? No? Every time I say that, people say no, and then I start reading it. They're like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it was on the Disney back in the day, before Disney was all whatever Disney is these days. Um, I'm taking this long because that one guy over there asked me not to be long. So here's the old version of the ant and the grasshopper, and maybe some of you guys remember. Uh, the ant and the grasshopper, old version. The ant works hard in the withering heat all summer long, building his house and laying up his supplies for the winter. The grasshopper thinks the ant is a fool and laughs and dances and plays the summer away. Come winter, the ant is well, uh, warm and well-fed. The grasshopper has no food or shelter, so he dies in the cold. More of the story. Be responsible for yourself. Anybody remember the ant and the grasshopper? Okay, good. 
Now, here's the modern version of the ant and the grasshopper. The ant works hard in the withering heat and rain all summer long, building his house, laying up supplies for the winter. The grasshopper thinks the ant is a fool and laughs and dances and plays the summer away. Come winter, the shivering grasshopper calls a press conference and demands to know why the ant should be allowed to be warm and well-fed while he is in the cold starving. CBS, NBC, PBS, CNN, ABC show up to provide pictures of the starving grasshopper next to a video of the ant in his comfortable home with the table filled with food. America is stunned by the sharp contrast. How can this be that in a country of such wealth, this grasshopper, this poor grasshopper, is allowed to suffer so? Kermit the Frog appears on Oprah Winfrey uh, with the grasshopper, and everybody cries when they sing, it's not easy being green. Occupy the Ant Hill stages a demonstration in front of the ant's house where the news station films the Green Life Matter group singing, We Shall Overcome. The Reverend Al Sharpton has the group kneel down to pray. Uh, the grasshopper for the grasshopper while he damns the ants, but he cannot stay long as he has to appear on MSNBC to complain that the rich people do not care, thus fulfilling his multi-million dollar contract with them. Former President Obama condemns the ant and blames Donald Trump, President Bush 43, President Bush 41, President Reagan, Christopher Columbus, the Pope, Peter Pan, and Casper the Friendly Ghost for the grasshopper's polite. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer exclaim on a view on the interview or on the view an interview on the view that the ant has gotten rich off the back of the grasshopper and both call for an immediate tax hike on the ant to make him pay his fair share. Finally, the EEOC drafts the Economical, Economic Equality Act, Anti-Grasshopper Act, retroactive the beginning of the summer. The ant is fined for failing to hire the appropriate number of green bugs and having nothing left to pay his retroactive taxes. His home is confiscated by the green czar, Alexandria Cortez, and given to the grasshopper. The story ends as we see the grasshopper and his freeloading friends finishing up the last bits of their food while in the government's house he is in, which, as you recall, just happens to be the ant's old house, crumbles around them because the grasshopper doesn't maintain it. The ant... Uh, has disappeared in the snow, never to be seen again. The grasshopper is found dead in a drug-related incident in the house, now abandoned, is taken over by a gang of spiders who terrorize uh, and ramshackle a once prosperous, peaceful neighborhood. The entire nation collapses, bringing the rest of the free world with it. Moral of the story, be careful how you vote in 2024. Amen. Young Penix, pray for us, and we'll get started. Amen. Had a preacher come by, uh, an evangelist, and he, he said, raise your hand if. And I was able to raise my hand, and I was feeling good about myself. Then he said, raise your hand if. And I wasn't able to raise my hand, and I was feeling a little convicted. And I said, man, that's a, that's a kind of a tough, tough thing to do. But then I thought to myself, that prompted me to evaluate myself. An evaluation is good, wouldn't you agree? Being honest is good, wouldn't you agree? Being honest with yourself is necessary to being a successful Christian, would you not agree? So, I was in a, I was in a place and the, and, and the Lord prompted me to actually, the first time this happened, I was in Hawaii and the, the audience or, or the crowd was uh, just getting up, going to the bathroom, there was somebody scratching on a pen like a 13-year-old girl, and it was just disruptive. And I said, 
I'm going to address this when I get up there. And then I didn't really want to address it at all to the people. And I'm praying, Lord, do you want me to say this or is it me that wants to say it? And I wanted the Lord to say it's you so that I didn't have to say it. And then I said, how come you always have me saying this stuff, Lord? And, and, and here's what the Lord gave me. He said, I have men say stuff all across the country and all across the globe. Just many men don't say what I prompt them to say. And I don't ever want to be that man. And we should never be those individuals. Um, and uh, we need to stand up, speak up, or remove ourselves from certain situations. I was in a place yesterday where there's a, a man behind me using all kind of profane language. He didn't use the Lord's name in vain. Or when that happens, first time I do is say, hey, you leave him out of this. And that's kind of a joking. And then, and then I'll get after him. But So what I did was I got up and I, and I left. Anyways, we're going to get honest with ourselves here today. And, and, and my goal is to encourage. My goal is not to discourage anyone, but for us to uh, take a look at ourselves and uh, see if, if we need to continue on at the rate that we're going or see if we need to get better or, or, or what the case may be. And the bottom line is, in every aspect of our Christian life, we can and should be striving to do better. Wouldn't you agree? Soul winning, winning souls, handing out the gospel is a very important thing of the Christian life. And by the way, sometimes just giving out a track is not enough. I remember one time I had a man in my car and I, I gave him a track. And I had him in my car for 10 more minutes. I didn't give him the gospel. I talked about life. He hopped out of the car. The next day he went to work. He got on a water tower. He fell off that water tower. And naturally he died. And in heaven he woke up and said, praise the Lord, Todd gave me this track and I got saved. Or in hell he said, why on earth didn't you just read me the track I would have got saved? And I wonder and ponder that until I die. So sometimes just handing up the track isn't enough. I have a question for you. And we'll go by show of hands. I've been in churches where not even the preacher could raise his hand. I've been, the last church I was at, only three people raised their hand. I've been in churches, I don't think there's been more than seven or eight people that have, that have been able to raise their hand. And I truly think it's an issue, and it's one of my biggest burdens. Um, souls, of course, is my burden, but the lack of people doing their part is a great burden, especially the individuals that complain about our country, that have the answer to our country, which is Jesus Christ. So, we'll, 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 take out, we'll take out last week, because everyone was at camp. By show of hands, in the last 14 days, raise your hand if you've handed out at least seven tracks. Let's be honest. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Fifteen people. Fifteen people. Um, fifteen people. We have a whole lot of people in here. I wonder when the Lord looks down and sees fifteen hands raised, if he's happy with that or not. By show of hands, in the last... 14 days, not including um, last week, how many people have witnessed personally, I'm not talking about during the sowing times, just on their own, own, own personal time, witnessed to at least five people in the last 14 days by show of hand. Okay, a couple things here. I'm, I'm thankful that everybody's being honest. Um, but wouldn't you agree that um, we could do better? Yes or no, verbally? Like the, like the lady says in the exit row, I need a verbal uh, confirmation. And here's what happens oftentimes. When I, when I preach on soul winning, everybody's all, mm. let's not get, mm. let's just listen up and leave out of here different. Amen? Because uh, I saw a video of everybody on that Trump rally. I'm looking on my phone. I'm seeing... 
thousands of people. And I'm just thinking, I wonder how many of those people are dying and going to, going to die and go to hell. And I guarantee you at least 10 people have passed by at least 10 of those people. Amen? Luke chapter number 6, verse number 19. Verse, Luke 16, verse number 19. 16, verse number 19. The Bible here says, I won't be that preacher that starts reading when pages are still flipping. Here's my goal today. My goal is to compel you to compel others to come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And then get him in the church house, and then get him baptized, and then get him rooted and planted. Amen? There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and feared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. So we see that he's in torments. So we see that we have our faculties about us. We'll be able to see, we'll be able to feel, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I find it very interesting that the man did not ask for a glass of water. He didn't ask for a gulp of water. He didn't ask even for a sip of water. He just wanted a drop of water. That's how bad it was for him. And let me say, uh, the loved ones that you pass by, the loved ones that you don't witness to, the loved ones that I don't witness to, will suffer the same fate. We have to find a way. At my uh, dinner rehearsal, I sat out a, a piece of paper next to every single, every single plate because all my family was going to be there. And I gave the gospel. And some people got up and left angrily. And some people got saved. Amen. But I was just trying to find a way. People, Facebook is, Facebook is a big thing. You can take a screenshot of a track, post it on Facebook. Here's how you can know for sure heaven's your home. There's many different ways that we can uh, get the gospel out. Allow me to borrow your imaginations for just one second. We have loved ones. We have coworkers. We have individuals that we know that aren't saved. Bow your head and close your eyes with me and allow me to borrow your imagination for just one moment. That individual that you have on your mind walks into the airport, hops on an airplane, they reach cruising altitude, something goes wrong, that plane plummets to the ground, crashes and burns, and they spend an eternity in hell with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, we rewind two months before they get on that flight. You know that they're still going to get on that flight, you know they're still going to crash. What are you going to do to that individual? Are you going to plead with them? Are you going to be kind? Are you going to be firm? Are you going to be stern? Are you going to try over and over and over because you know their fate? Look up at me. I know the answer. You're going to do everything possible in order to uh, see them saved, everything that you can possibly do. And that's how we need to look at this thing of soul winning. Here's an issue, though. When we go to the store, we see big people, skinny people, healthy people, unhealthy people, black people, white people. And we shouldn't see that. We should see death because the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die after this, the judgment. Amen? We need to start seeing people the way God wants us to see people, which is seeing souls. Amen? We need to see people's souls. And I believe that if we start seeing people's souls, uh, when those questions are asked like that, it'll be, it'll be more hands raised. And it's not just this church. I'm talking about, I've asked that question with, different, with the same type of message that I'm preaching here at least 15 times, and the results have been the same. And, and, and in my opinion, uh, 
we have this thing figured out a lot better than most. Otherwise, I'd be, I wouldn't be a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist. And if, and if we have it, we must share it. Amen? 25. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides uh, all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither, uh, uh, cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There's many people in the community think that they can uh, escape hell uh, by hanging out in a place called purgatory. There's a lot of people. If you witness to enough people, you'll come across many of those people. And many of those people legitimately believe that. And if they legitimately see the word of God, they can be helped. I said legitimately instead of legit, brother. Are you proud of me? 27. Then he said, uh, or 26. Uh, or yeah, we'll get to 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, lest... Uh, uh, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And do you know who the people in your community have? The people in your community have you. In your community right now, there are individuals getting beat by their fathers. There are wives that are getting beat by their husbands. There are young people that are getting abused. There are young people that are selling themselves. There are adults that are selling themselves. There are individuals that are ready to hang it all up. Because they're tired of living, they want to slit their throat, they want to slit their wrist. There's people like that in your community. But what happens to that dad? Wait a minute, what happened to you when you got saved? Okay, so what happens to that dad that beats his wife or beats his child after he truly gets saved? That'll stop, amen? In your community, that'll stop. That lady will stop doing awful things in your community, that'll stop. This is not my mission field. It's your mission field. The Lord has allowed you to live on one of the most beautiful places on, 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 that I've been. And I dare say on planet Earth. Amen? Beautiful. But he didn't allow you to live here just to enjoy the mountains. Amen? He's allowed you to live here so that you can see the people on your mission field saved. Amen? And it's possible. 29 says, Abraham saith unto him, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, have, uh, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded they'll run rolls from the dead. I'm just going to give you four points, and they'll actually be quick points. My first one will be the longest, and then the other ones will be quick. Um, number one, don't be afraid. We have the comforter. Uh, the Bible tells us this in John 14, 26 and, and John 14, 16. Don't be afraid. We're going to turn to uh, Acts 4.1. Turn to Acts 4.1 with me, please. The Holy Spirit can fill you with what you need. It can quench your fear. Can I get an Amen. I can remember being in the gym, and this young black man came into the gym, and uh, it was a different time than I normally came, and he was lifting weights, and I was lifting weights, and the Holy Spirit said witness to him, and I said he just wants to work out, and I just want to work out, and I left. 
And then it happened again the next day. And I was like, he just wants to work out. I just want to work out. There's a bunch of people around. And it's not normally my, I, I, I enjoy being around people. And I'm not scared to share the gospel in most instances. But I was just not feeling it. So I walked into the corner. I got on my hands and knees and I prayed. I said, dear Lord, please help me to lead this young man to the Lord. And as I stood up, I thought, what an idiot. You, like, don't want to talk to this guy, but you're down in the, in the corner praying on your hands and knees. People are really looking at you. Then I got up and I walked over to that young man. And you know what happened? He gladly received Christ as his Lord and Savior. I couldn't have did it on my own. The Holy Spirit made it happen. Acts 4.1. And as they were talking about, uh, we're talking about fear stopping you. As they, as they uh, spake unto the people... The priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh, and, they had, uh, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. And so we see that they got whooped. Then in number four, verse four, it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Praise the Lord for that. Then we see Peter's address uh, to the Sanhedrin here uh, uh, in five down. Uh, and it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias, the high priest, and Caphas and John and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Uh, so here we have the who's who's, the decision makers, the off with his head, the tar and feather him, the let's hang him, let's crucify him. We have those decision makers. And when they had set them in the midst, by, uh, midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Who do you think you are running around preaching the gospel? Somebody asked me not to get fired up, but I'm just me. Amen. Who do you think you are running around preaching the gospel? Here's what a lot of us would have did. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Just let me go. I hope that I would not be that guy. I say that I would not be that guy, but you know, who, who knows what would be going on? Maybe I'd be thinking about my kids. Maybe I'd just be thinking about living. That's natural, right? Who do you think you are? Then verse 8 says, Then Peter filled with the what? Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doeth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation uh, in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. So here we see a man uh, being uh, uh, scrutinized for preaching the gospel, and he replies with the gospel. Amen. That's the kind of Christian that I want to be when I'm in Walmart. That's the kind of Christian I want to be when I'm walking down the street. That's the Christian I just want to be everywhere that I go. But that's not the Christian that I can be on my own. Amen? When I wake up in the morning, I beg God, please let me lead somebody to the Lord. And he, he, he comes through for me a lot. Last year, it was only three weeks out of the whole year I wasn't able to lead at least one person to the, to the Lord. But one of the very first things I did after I prayed for my family and after I prayed for my pastor and after I prayed for my church, I yearned and I begged and I asked him to allow me to lead souls to the Lord. And he was faithful to give me my heart's desire. Amen? And another thing that really stops us is anxiety. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. I know it stopped me a couple of times. Um, 
Turn to Acts 16 with me, please. And we'll pick up reading in, in 19. Uh, so here we see a demon cast out, Paul and Silas beaten. Um, the Bible says, and it came to pass as uh, we went uh, to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divinity met, met us, uh, uh, which brought her masters. And then and, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up in 18 here. Uh, and this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Don't know about you, but that would cause a little bit of anxiety here. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And, at mid, uh, and the multitude rose up together against them. Anxiety. And the magistrates run up their clothes and commanded them beat. So if you mob upon me, and then you beat me, and then you tear off my clothes, I'm going to have a little bit of anxiety. Amen? 23 says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, or whooped the fire out of them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And then we see the Bible says that he being charged with that charge, stuck them in a, in a prison, and then made their feet fast in stocks, and that would cause me a little bit more anxiety. Putting me in prison, anxiety. Putting me in inner prison, anxiety. And I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, I'd want to be able to kick people off me. I would definitely want to kick the rats off my feet, amen, or any bugs or whatever. But not when your feet are fast in the stocks. That's not going to work out. And most of us would be riddled and crippled with anxiety. That's what happens to us. Many times we get crippled with anxiety. The Holy Spirit says, hand out a track, and, we're, and we give in to that crippleness instead of leaning on the Holy Spirit. And it's not just you. It's me too. It's all of us. Amen? I'm not a man standing here saying I'm the world's greatest soul winner, and you guys need to get it right. I'm preaching to all of us in here. Amen? I'm not a man that's trying to discourage. I'm a man that's trying to encourage and compel others to compel. Amen? Those of you that raised your hand for the soul winning in the tracks, encourage somebody else to do it. Encourage somebody to come with you. We don't have to have something. It doesn't have to be set up. Amen? Hey, let's go soul winning. Hey, let's go knock some doors. Amen? How many people stick around here on Saturday? That's a great thing. A lot of people. You know what? People, a lot of people are at home relaxing. You could just go knock on a couple doors around the neighborhood. Just saying. So instead of being riddled and crippled with fear, they, they turned to the Lord, and I believe they asked for deliverance. Let's see what happened. 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the, prisons, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, And thy house. And then 32, the last bit of that says, In his house. 
And then we jump down to 34. It says, and when he had brought them into his house, he said, meet before them and rejoice, believing in God with all his house. So here we see an entire household change with the gospel. You get it? An entire household change with the gospel. That's what I was talking about. That dad gets saved. That mom gets saved. That single mom gets saved. That young boy gets saved. And, and, and then mom sees the change. And then maybe mom starts coming to church. And then maybe dad starts coming to church. I've seen it. I've been part of that. It really happens. Amen. We can change entire households with the gospel. Another way you can change entire households is by being faithful to faith-promised missions. So next time the Lord says, let's up the missions, don't think, oh, i got to up think, oh, I have an opportunity to change a household in another country. Amen? I have an opportunity to change a household in another, in another region of Alaska. Amen? So some of you guys are like this. And some of you guys are, are, are ready to hear the message. So, like I said, I wanted to preach on um, unity because y'all got unity here. But I believe the reason that the Lord wanted me to preach this is for two reasons. One, so people don't have to die and go to hell. And number two, that they can be part of this unity. It's a happy place, amen? It's a good place to be part of, amen? Do you know how many people out there need this place? So many people need this place. A lot of, they don't know about this place. And they don't know about this place like you know about this place. There's so many kids out there that need this place. They need this place. They need mom and dad to be in this place. There's people counting on you guys that you've never met yet. That maybe you'll meet tomorrow. Maybe you'll meet next week. Hopefully you'll be able to meet and greet them with the gospel. And I'll give you these last three points. You hear three points and you think, man, but they'll be all, you'll be all right. Especially if you came to get in church instead of get out of church. Um... Back to Luke. Or you don't have to turn. So first, don't be afraid. And sub-point, don't let anxiety stop you. Two, remember that people in hell need you. Luke, uh, yeah, we can turn to Luke. Luke 16, 27, 30 says, Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house where I have five brethren, uh, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place. People in hell need you, man. I know a man named Brad Bray. He walked into my gym. Okay, so first, his cousin goes to our church. Him and my pastor went to their door, knocked on the door. Hi, would you like to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior? They gave him the gospel very thoroughly. And uh, his wife is looking. My preacher says, like, yeah, let's do this. And he said, no, not today. They went home, went about the day. Wife went upstairs, went to sleep. He went to sleep. He woke up. She never woke up. She was dead. That's how we found his wife. That could have been her last chance or only chance, last chance to hear the gospel. Today may be somebody in this room's last chance to hear the gospel. Last chance to hear the gospel. You know you're, you know you're not saved and you've been playing around with it every year since I've been preaching. I mean every year. There's been at least one or two people. And it's already happened this year. In the church house. Last person was 80 years old. The person before that was 70 years old. That, that ended up getting saved. That everybody already thought was saved. You're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take two extra minutes. There was a man in Florida. I asked him if he was saved. He was a song leader. He got upset with me because I asked him if he was saved. Later on, I preached at MMA camp there, and uh, uh, the theme became being honest with yourself. 
after the camp is over, he goes to the preacher and he says, I haven't been being honest with myself. I need to get saved. This is the youth worker. I said, praise the Lord. He gave him so much time to get saved and hear all those messages. He could have took him out at any time. Then the next day, his wife, the, 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 the teen uh, uh, pastor's wife, goes to the preacher's wife and says, I need to get saved. Now, that man who I asked was saved originally, he was getting ready to take off. He's getting his uh, little pilot's license. And he said, if this plane goes down, I'm going to die and go to hell. I'm not saved. But I can't get saved now because everybody's going to think I'm doing it because my brother and them, my, them just did it. He played around with that long enough, and then he decided to get saved. And he gave a testimony at church. And there was a, another church that's kind of sister church with them in Ohio that don't have evening services. And they were listening. And a, uh, and a, a, a senior saint and a young uh, person got saved because of his testimony. What I'm saying is stop playing around with this. You're going to die and you're going to go to hell forever. And if that's all you can think about the rest of this message is that, then you need to hurry up and get it settled. Back to my story with Brad. So Brad walks into my gym the next day. And I know Brad doesn't want nothing to do with the gym. Brad's not a fighter. Brad's, Brad's a pretty round guy, and he, he's fine being round. He's not into fitness or any of that stuff. So I asked Brad about... Uh, how he's doing, and I give him the gospel, and Brad leaves. Then the next day, Brad comes in, and I take him right here. I said, Brad, listen, <clears throat> not an easy thing to say, but the Holy Spirit told me to say it. Not only did the Holy Spirit tell me to say it, he guided me through the process. He, I said, Brad, your wife heard the gospel with you, and then right then and there in her heart, she trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, or maybe later on she trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, or maybe before she went to bed she trusted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she's in heaven right now, Brad. And if she's in heaven right now, Brad, she wants you to be there with her. I said, Brad, the real possibility also is that she never trusted Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she's burning in hell, and she does not want you to join her there because she loves you, Brad. And he, she does not want your daughter to go there either because she loves her also. That's a tough thing to tell somebody. They hadn't even had the funeral yet. But that's what the Lord told me to do. And perhaps if I didn't do that, maybe he never would have gotten saved. But he did get saved. And he trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior, and so did his daughter. We've got to remember people in hell need us. We've got to remember people on earth need us. How many people have somebody in another state that they wish would get saved, that they need to get saved, that they want to get saved? What you need is a, a soul winner in that state, amen? Especially if you're not willing to pick up the phone. Hey, everybody should get a Christmas card in everybody's family because you have an opportunity to stick a track in there, amen? People in heaven, I believe, need us. They want to be reunited, amen? Two more points. Remember, all kinds of people go to hell. Uh, we see the poor man, we see the rich man. One of the nicest men in my gym. He'll give the shirt off his back, literally, to anybody. But he won't trust Christ, so he's going to die a nice man and split hell wide open. And we must, be, we must remember that uh, uh, he's not willing that any should perish. Amen? Second uh, Peter 3, 9 or 4, I think 9, says that. Which reminds me of a story of me being in... Uh, I saw a man come on a TV screen. He was an accessory to commit murder. He allowed his wife to starve his daughter to death. And I, I remember seeing him, and I asked God, please allow him to be in the, the, the jail pod that I'm going to be in the next day. So I'm in there. He comes walking in, ginormous man, with a little cul-de-sac on his head, bald guy. He walks over, head down, sets his stuff in his bunk, and just stands there looking like, man, 
I got myself into a situation here. So I walked right up to him. I said, hey, man, I got a million-dollar question for you. If you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? He said, I do not know. I gave him the whole plan of salvation. By the way, thoroughly, we, there's no need to just give somebody a false hope. One, two, three, say a prayer with me. I got another notch on my belt. Amen? Amen. Give him the gospel thoroughly. I know sometimes time doesn't allow you to, but still, ask. do your best. Do your best. Do your best. Um, gave him the gospel thoroughly. Then his lawyer called. He had to leave. Then he came back and he was picking up his stuff. And he said, um, I said, hey, would you like to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he just put his head down like you have no idea what I've done. I said, I know what you did. I said, I'll be honest with you. If it was up to me, I'd call the fellows over here and we'd stomp a mud hole in you because that's what I feel like you deserve. That's what my flesh feels like you deserve for allowing your daughter to starve to death. I said, but lucky for you, Christ died for all man's sins. And if you'll put your trust and faith in him, you won't have to spend the rest of your life in hell and then an eternity in hell. Now the choice is yours. You don't have to do it. God given you a free will to do with what you choose. Would you like to trust Christ as Lord and Savior? And he said, yes, sir, I would. And he got saved. Amen. Now, without the Holy Spirit, I probably wouldn't have went up to a ginormous man and just gave it to him like that. But obviously that's what he needed. There's some people, hey, when I'm in the gym, if it's not, come on, get your head on straight. You need to do it like this. Yada, yada, yada. That's how I, I respond well to that. Then my son, you, you do that, he's going to shut down. And I believe that the Holy Spirit gives me that, that, that discernment when, I, when I'm out there witnessing. Because I plead and I beg for him to give it to me. And he'll give it to you if you plead and you beg for it as well. And then, I prom as promised, my last point. Um, uh... I have number four, and then I have, it's a command, Mark sixteen fifteen. The Bible tells us to go, amen? So we just need to go. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Uh, now, I, I'm not from this church. I don't know uh, uh, who's saved, who's not saved. I don't know if that was a, a tough message to receive or not a tough message to receive. But I'll tell you this. When I lay my head on my pillow tonight, I'm going to feel like I preached exactly what the Lord wanted me to preach. So I believe that's exactly what the Lord wanted you to hear. I'm going to share one story with you. There was a man, there was a mom, she was a young mother, she was a single mother, she had a five-year-old son. She witnessed to the five-year-old son, witnessed to the five-year-old son, witnessed to the five-year-old son, didn't want to hear the gospel, didn't really understand the gospel. He turned six years old, seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, still didn't really get it. Then, as soon as he turned into a teenager, he was rebellious towards the God. I don't want to hear that gospel, Mom. Don't preach that gospel to me. Then he turned 16 years old, got his driver's license, he's out on the highway, and then, bam, smacked by a vehicle. The paramedics called mom, you need to get to the scene. He's not going to make it to the hospital. Mom called the preacher. I know personally the preacher that mom called. The preacher gets to the scene before mom. She's down there pleading with that young man to get saved, the preacher was. Mom makes it to the scene pleading with the young man to get saved. They make it to the hospital. I believe this was the man's very last chance to receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. This could be your very last chance to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And that's really true because we're in Alaska. You're in a state that will kill you. Amen. 
I mean, you can't even just, by way of testimony here, you can just go on a walk and almost die. Mom, can you imagine mom pleading with her young baby boy to get saved? You need to trust Christ. You need to trust Christ. Preacher on the other side, you need to trust Christ. And the man says, the young boy says, I don't want to get saved. I don't need to get saved. And then bam, nothing. Then they heard from him. They're coming for me, mom. They're coming for me, mom. Don't let him get me. Don't let him get me. I don't tell the story to scare anybody or any of that stuff, but... The, the most interesting part about that story is the verbiage, they're coming for me, Mom, they're coming for me, Mom, because I know an evangelist, Dan Martin, who was a firefighter in the Marines. He came upon one of his buddies that he had tried to witness to and tried to witness to. He came down the hill. He got, he got T-boned. Dan came up over the hill. Dan was a firefighter. The paramedics came. They allowed Dan to stay there. They get the jaws of life. They pull the jaws of life out of that man, and he begins to gush out blood. And he used the same verbiage, they're coming for me, Dan. They're coming for me, Dan. And I was in Hawaii, I told both of those stories, and the nurse came up to me and she said, I've heard him say it. I've heard him say it. So my question is to you. When you die, who's coming for you? Who's coming for you when you die? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Brother Todd, that's me. I'm not 100% sure who's coming for me when I die, but I do not want to die and go to hell. Just slip your hand up for me real quick. Slip it down. I don't want to die and go to hell, Brother Todd. That's me. I'm tired of playing with it. Little hand in the back. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll ask one more time. This could be the very last time. Brother Todd, pray for me. Hey, and I'll just pray for you. I know sometimes we say we'll pray and then we ask and we embarrass. I won't embarrass you. I won't do any of that. I'll just honestly just pray for you. Say, Brother Todd, that's me. I don't want you to call me out, but I do want you to pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven or that. That's you. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand down. Okay, I see you, little, man, little guy. So, I see you too, little man. We have a lot of young teenagers in here. You say, Brother Todd, I feel that the Lord's calling me to preach the word of God. He's been dealing with me through other sermons. Maybe he dealt with me last week. Maybe he dealt with me this week. Brother Todd, I, I feel the, the Lord tugging on my heart for the call to preach. If that's you, any young man like that, slip your hand up for Mr. Band down. Amen. You say, last question. Brother Todd, I know that I can do better as a soul winner. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me with that. If that's you, slip your hand up. Hands all across the room, my hand included. And with heads bowed and eyes still closed, why don't you think about his point? The first point he spent his time in, he said, don't fear man. That fear, even when it comes to witnessing, should be placed in God. Even Christ had said not to fear man, but you better fear him who is able to destroy your soul in hell. You think about that in relation to our responsibility with the gospel before others. You know, he made a statement and about, and I'll put it like this, I'll rephrase it a little bit. Now, it's true. Our community does need us. We have the truth. We have what they need. My wife, I think it was this afternoon when she was in the office, had said, and we had never heard this before, and I did not hear it. She said, I woke up hearing a fight last night between a husband and wife, and it was loud. You know what that is? That's, that's a family that needs the truth we have. Where you're at, it's not an accident. The people God puts before you is not an accident. 
God's sovereignty and his providence is in control. Yet if you're not obedient, then what? I think the majority of hands went up, which is so good to see. Lord, help me to be better at witnessing. To see my responsibility in telling others about Christ. Listen, many of you have taken that course. It was always encouraging to see. The times we went through the course, all those who have showed up to want to learn how to witness. And like you said, to be thorough with that gospel. Use it. Father, never I pray that you bless this invitation. Work in hearts and lives, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. Page 520. Don't delay. Why don't you just come and pray?